It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network, talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. And today's show, we're actually going to turn away from College Station for a majority of it. We will be previewing the upcoming baseball games this weekend as Texas A&M will face off against Stephen F. Austin on Tuesday night before facing preview A&M on Wednesday. But we want to turn our attention to the NFL free agency. One former Aggie broke out this year and is up for a big-time contract. Where could he land? What is the likelihood? That's right, you probably forgot all about it because a lot of A&M fans do. Ryan Tannehill, former quarterback of the Miami Dolphins, now with the Tennessee Titans, is set to hit the free agent market. What is his value? What is his window of opportunity? We're going to be breaking down all of that here in the first couple segments. Before we begin, just some housekeeping rules. Remember to be subscribed to all of our social media channels at Locked on Aggies, the number one source for all your Locked on Aggies fandom. You can check out all of our great work at LockedOnPodcast.com. Also, all Aggies, part of the Sports Illustrated Network and the Locked on Podcast Network, have partnered together to give you quality content surrounding both Texas A&M written and vocal, so you can check out all of our great work, written, vocal, and visual content at Aggies, allaggies.com or si.com slash T-A-M-U. And if you want to follow me on social media, tell me what I'm doing right. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you hate. Just say you don't like me at all or that you love the show. I love feedback. It's at Mr. Cole Thompson. I'm a mister. My name is Cole Thompson. That's it. Don't wear it out. At Mr. Cole Thompson, at Aggies SI, and at Locked on Aggies. Before we break down all the Ryan Tannehill news, let's start talking a little bit about baseball. Let's get that out of the way because of I do think this is one of those times where baseball is such a big deal, especially at Bluebell Park and Olsen Field. There's a very good shot that A&M begins their season off on a 5-0 run. Uh, Tuesday night, they will face off against Stephen F. Austin. The Lumberjacks will come in with a 1-2 record after getting a win to begin the season over Arkansas State. They drop the next two games. We will see AM entering the game on a pretty solid condition after a three-game sweep over the Miami of Ohio Redhawks this past weekend. It was a really good game for the Bats. That's the biggest thing that I think everyone's going to take away from this. Rob Childress is known for having staffs with great pitching, but the Bats really were the reason for the team's win this week. 32 runs off 39 hits, 7 stolen bases on 7 attempts. When you look at some of the players and what they hit, outfielder Zach Delock hit 778, 2 home runs, a double, and 5 RBIs. Designated hitter Will Frizzell hit 417 with 2 long balls. Two doubles and drove in six. Then you also have uh, junior college transfer uh, Logan Satori going four for ten with two homers. I think he hit about four twelve was his batting average and uh, five RBIs. And hers his first weekend down at uh, Lo- uh, Olson Field. Then you got to look at the pitching. Go right there. You have Asa Lacy, Christian Roa, and Chandler Jones combining for eighteen innings of work. They struck out a combined twenty six batters. 8 for Lacey, 6 for uh, Joswiak, uh, Joswiak, and Roa 
the junior, who is the lone right-hander in the lineup, and so this is a lineup of southpaws, of starting rotation guys. There's a lot of lefties. Rowe is the one right-hander. And in Major League Baseball today, you don't see that many starting left-handed pitchers. And you definitely don't see that many on the same roster. Roa had the best day to begin the season. 12 strikeouts, a career high. Uh, two earned runs off of five hits. Got a win. This upcoming weekend, Dust, uh, this upcoming week against Stephen F., Dustin Snaz will get his first start. Uh, he made his season debut on Saturday. He threw one scoreless inning, striking out one batter, and uh, giving up, uh, I think it was one walk. Didn't give up a single run. Last season in five starts, Snaz would go 2-1 and one with a 4.85 ERA in 15 total appearances. He only made five starts. So we're going to see a little bit different of him. Lumberjacks, they're expected to start Reese Easterling. This will be a homecoming game for him. He actually went to College Station High School and was in junior college before going to Nacogdoches this past offseason. This is a game where if you get on Easterling, a new player still kind of getting adjusted to the ball club, probably has some preseason jitters, some homecoming jitters. This is a game where fans and family can probably just drive up the street to Bluebell to go see a kid who knows the area very, very well. If you can get him to maybe throw some balls early and then maybe miss a pitch, go for a fastball, put it outside the strike zone, just enough for you to drive it, you're going to be able to consistently put up runs and you're going to be able to consistently keep guys on base. If you do that, I think that there's not going to be a problem winning this game. Next game, of course, is against Prairie View A&M. The Panthers, if A&M loses that game, there's a lot more questions, I think, that need to be answered about the stability of the back end of the rotation when you look at that game. Because Jonathan Childress, redshirt freshman, will make his season debut. He suffered a season-ending injury last year near the start of the 2019 campaign. He would only make three starts, go 0-1 with a 2-13 ERA. Everyone knows Childress is the son of the manager, so it'll be interesting to see how he does this year. But Panthers have yet to name their starting pitcher. Uh, unfortunately, they start off the year 0-4. They went to New Orleans. They got beat all four games. Infielder Andrew Page led the offense. He went 3-for-7 with two doubles and five RBIs during that stretch. But when you look at this team... A&M has a very good shot of starting off the year 5-0 and in baseball. And baseball might be the one sport that they're very close to bringing home a national title in. You look at the SEC in general, there's a lot of promise for potentially strong players. But I think overall, you look at this sport, they have exactly what Childress has had in the past when they've gone to the College World Series in Omaha. They've had quality pitching. They've had guys who they know are going to make it to the majors. Definitely Lacey will make it to the majors. According to people I've spoken to around the league, he is a top 10 pick in this upcoming MLB draft. He'll probably end up going. I mean, even though he's a junior. But the offense looks to be clicking. And you have a three-man rotation in Roa, Joswiak, and Lacey that should keep the team afloat. They could start the year off, I definitely think, with a 8-0 record when they face Army. And if that's the case, how long until they start making the jump into the top 10? They're a top 20 baseball team right now. 
and there are nine teams in the SEC ranked in the top 20, A&M is the ninth. If a team drops a game here or there, how much longer until the Aggies start climbing up the ranks and maybe get into that 12-11 bottom tier top 10 range? I think with two big wins this weekend, which I do think they get today and tomorrow, and as well, I think that they do get at least, I would say, they'll win the series over Army. Hopefully, they get all three, 8 0. That'll be enough to take them to the next level. Speaking of next level, Ryan Tannehill, what is his level? Where do we place him among the quarterbacks hitting the free agent market? And what realistically is a deal worth signing? And where could he land? We'll be discussing that in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, let me ask you a quick question. Are you listening to the Locked On Podcast Network? If you say yes, congratulations. Move on with your day. We're all so proud of you. If you said no, why do you guys make me do this ad? We have over two dozen college sports shows, including Locked On College Football, Locked On Pac-12, and Locked On SEC For your listening ears, on top of all of that, we also have great content surrounding the MLB, NHL, NBA, NFL, and of course, fantasy sports. Go check out all of our great podcasts at LockedOnPodcast.com. Today, we're focusing a lot of our attention on Ryan Tannehill and where he could land in the free agent market. Everyone wants to talk about what we've seen from this kid coming out of AM. And again, a lot of people kind of forget he went to AM because of he wasn't a polarizing name there. Although he was probably, when you look back at the Mike Sherman era, the second best player to come from his recruiting class. Number one is going to be Von Miller. I think that everyone can kind of just sit back and go, yep, it's Von Miller. Everything that Von Miller has done, he's almost hit 100 sacks. I think he actually just passed 100 sacks this year. In nine years in the league, 100 sacks. He's an MVP. He has gone to the Super Bowl. He literally led the charge for Super Bowl 50 for Denver. He's a seven-time Pro Bowler. It's Von Miller is the greatest player from the Mike Sherman era. But then you look at Tannehill... He threw for 5,420 yards, 42 touchdowns against, I think it was 20 interceptions. And he also played wide receiver. He had 112 catches for over 1,000 receiving yards, and he made 10 trips to the end zone. I think that a lot of people forget that he was so versatile coming out of College Station that that's why Miami drafted him. What if he doesn't work out as a quarterback? Okay, you move him to wide receiver. He has the skills to, I think keep a position or a place on the roster. The reason he was let go by Miami is because of in seven years with the team, he took him to one playoff appearance where he got hurt, I think the week before, and it was Matt Moore who ended up getting the start over Pittsburgh, and he was inconsistent at staying healthy. I think he had two full years, three full years, where he played all 16 games. You don't want that in a franchise quarterback. So I get where Miami went when they traded him away for a six-round pick this upcoming offseason to Tennessee. Well, a lot of people actually doubted Tannehill, thinking that he was never going to make it in Tennessee, and it was going to be Marcus Mariota. 
Uh, if you talk to one of my buddies, Benjamin Albright, he and I both said that Tannehill will be the starting quarterback by the end of the year for Tennessee. And I think Albright actually said that Tennessee would benefit from having Tannehill. I said that Tennessee would probably go, I think, 7-9, and 8-8. Nine, eight and eight. They went 9-7. and seven, But it's the fact that he took them from probably the laughingstock of the AFC this year to a Super Bowl contending offense to pair with that defense going into the final game of the regular season. He took him on a 7-3 and record, and thanks to the likes of Derrick Henry and the defense, led them, thanks to his legs, and you know he also threw, I think, three, touch, three touchdown passes during the, during the season, to an AFC championship title game. They were going to lose to Kansas City. Kansas City just looked like the better team all year, and unfortunately, that was kind of the end of it. But Tannehill did win the NFL Comeback Player of the Year. And he also was named to his first Pro Bowl as a replacement for Patrick Mahomes. So I guess you look at that as kind of the serendipity of the process. The question now is, where does he fit in this realm of free agent markets? We know the big names that are probably going to get a lot of the attention. And I think that would be right now, you look at it, it's Tom Brady, it's Drew Brees, and it's Phillip Rivers. They're proven veterans. Two are Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. One is probably a Hall of Famer as well. But two of them are probably in the top 10 for greatest quarterbacks of all time. And that's Brees and Brady. If they don't re-sign with New England and New Orleans respectively, that sets the market all across the haywire where everyone else can land. After that, I think it's Rivers. And then after that, I would go Teddy Bridgewater. Bridgewater proved that he can win, and he's younger. I think he's 28 years old. You kind of can, I think, mold him into a bridge quarterback, but also a bridge quarterback kind of like the Houston Texans did with Matt Schaub. They knew he was never going to be an elite passer, but they were able to get the most out of him and make it to the playoffs twice in the Gary Kubiak era, another AM player. After that, I think Tannehill comes in as the number five quarterback in the free agent market. This talk of Taysom Hill, I don't get, you know, you look at Marcus Mariota, I don't get, you look at Andy Dalton, you can throw him in there because of, according to multiple reports, Cincinnati's going to release him. There's nothing there that says that he's going to be just as good, if not better than Tannehill after the season he had. You look at all that, and you wonder, what's the asking price? Unfortunately, his will be lower than veterans such as Breeze, Brady, and Rivers. Because all of them have proven that they can win at the highest level. Brady's not going to a team for less than, I think, $60 million, $70 million. Breeze is probably going one year, maybe two. And if it's one year... 35 to 40 million is a bucket load of money. You would never see Tannehill get that deal. And Rivers, I think, is going to go on a two or three year contract, probably get at least 35 to 40 million guaranteed, whether that be in Tampa or Indianapolis or anywhere. And then you have to look at Tannehill 
and what is his range. If you do believe that he can be your starting caliber quarterback for several seasons, I think a three to four year deal is likely the option. If you think of him as a bridge quarterback or a guy who's going to keep your offense afloat for maybe a season or two, you look at your options, maybe you go test and draft a guy in maybe the sixth round, kind of like Jacksonville did with Garner Minshew or a fourth round pick like Dallas did in 2016 with Dak Prescott. This is your guy to set the tone until they're ready or to add some competition. But if you do believe Tannehill is a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL still, which I believe he can be for two seasons, I think a three-year deal is more than likely the one that you look at. Or at least a two-year deal with the player options. So we now know that that's probably the range he's going to get, anywhere between a two to four year deal, but where could he land? We'll be discussing that in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, if you like our A&M content, make sure you check out all of our other great A&M content at allaggies.com. All Aggies, part of the Sports Illustrated Network, is partnering with the Locked On Podcast Network to give you quality content surrounding all things Texas A&M. Check out all of our great work at si.com slash T-A-M-U. Right now, we're talking about former Texas A&M quarterback Ryan Tannehill and where he can land in the free agent market. I'm also going to give my prediction on where I think he's going to land somewhere in this free agent market. I'm going to look at some teams where I think makes sense, but he's probably not going. First being New Orleans. New Orleans makes sense if they're going to go draft a guy. They don't bring back Teddy Bridgewater. They don't see Taysom Hill as the starting quarterback for the future. And they don't get Drew Brees. Tannehill would be a perfect bridge guy there. You draft a quarterback with the 24th selection. Maybe you trade up. Go get a guy like Tua Tungavailoa, Justin Herbert. Give him a year. Let Tannehill try and lead the offense. If it doesn't work out. He doesn't go there. I ultimately think Breeze goes back to New Orleans, so I'm not going to waste my breath really on that one. Next is Tampa. Tampa Bay has the need for a quarterback and a stable one outside of Jameis Winston. Jameis is a guy who will lead the NFL in passing. He's already done it. But he'll also be a turnover machine that is horrifying to an offense. If Bruce Arians wants to go with a younger quarterback who maybe is a veteran, just hasn't had the right pieces, he's always the quarterback whisperer. Why not go ahead and work with Tannehill like you worked with Carson Palmer, like you worked with the resurgence of Andrew Luck, like you worked with Ben Roethlisberger? It would make sense. I don't think it happens, but it makes sense. Lastly, I think Indianapolis. Indianapolis needs to find a stable quarterback to somehow figure out what they're going to do with the future. This is a team that I think can win with the roster at hand, but with the news of Andrew Luck retiring last year, that really took a blow to the NFL. And that really took a blow to the team that I actually thought was going to be potentially the Titans of the AFC. The surprise team that maybe starts off a little weak and finally figures it out. Unfortunately, I just don't see Tannehill going there. I see Phillip Rivers 
going to Indianapolis. So all that considered, there's no way they're bringing in two veterans to battle it out with one of them sitting on the bench. Now let's look at realistic options for him. Number five, I'm going to go with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And here's why. We'll go number six with that one. If they can dump the salary cap of Nick Foles off to a QB needy team like Chicago or potentially Miami, they're going to be able to re-sign a backup quarterback and Tannehill would be the nice option. You don't really know what the future holds for Garner Minshew and maybe all he was was a one-year wonder with some flashiness and a mustache. Tannehill, he just proved that he can win. So why not give him a chance out in Duval County? It would make sense. He would be a lot cheaper than what you offered to Foles. And if you dump that salary cap, you probably can sign him and Yannick Ngakwe. So both those players are needed. You have your options. Five, yeah, five, I would go Las Vegas. The Raiders need to add some competition to the backfield. I don't think that it's all on Derek Carr. They could also release Derek Carr. He could go to another team such as the Chargers where he kind of jumpstart his career where he actually will be appreciated by his head coach. Tannehill could probably get some quality reps with John Gruden and whoever they would draft as the long-term replacement for Carr, I think makes a lot more sense if you have a veteran such as Tannehill taking snaps this year. So that would pretty much mean to me Utah State's Jordan Love or uh, Tunga Vailoa from Alabama would be the option. They would have to trade up to probably get Tunga Vailoa. Four, I'm going to go with the Chicago Bears. You got to push Mitchell Trubisky. And we've already seen Tannehill beat out one former number two overall pick in Marcus Mariota. Why not do it again with Mitchell Trubisky? This was a guy who was putting up quality numbers under Matt Nagy. The system was working, and he imploded this year in the Windy City. This is a defense that is ready to win now, that still is pretty solid. This is an offense that has the weaponry in David Montgomery, Allen Robinson. You also look at Anthony Miller. They have a chance to still be a contender in the NFC. But if Mitchell Trubisky isn't the guy, maybe at least Tannehill is. And if worse comes to worse, you sign him on a two-year deal and he sets you up to draft either Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence next year or whichever quarterback is the surprise quarterback for the 2019 class. We always see one. Every year, there's always a quarterback that sees their you know stock skyrocket into first-round status. So that would be number four for me. Number three for me would be the New England Patriots. Say New England goes out and they trade for a guy like Josh Rosen, who was in Arizona, a former top 10 pick. You figure out what you can get for him, probably a late 6th, 7th rounder, and you view him as potentially the future of the organization now that he's working with Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels. He's not going to be ready to start week one. So you go out and you draft... A guy such as, I think, Tannehill. You bring him in to your contract. Let him be the bridge guy. You learn. You have weapons around him. You use that money in free agency to bring in other guys for Rosen or if you draft another quarterback. And you figure out what you're going to do for the future of the organization. He's a guy who beat New England last year, so it would make a ton of sense for him to come back. Number two, I'm going to go with the Los Angeles Chargers. 
Just like New England, they have to replace their quarterback. Phillip Rivers is going to be gone. They've already announced that they will not re-sign him in free agency. This is another bridge guy. They're going to draft a quarterback at pick number six, whether that be Justin Herbert out of Oregon or Tua Tagovailoa or Jordan Love. I don't think any one of them are ready to start week one of the NFL season. So you need a guy who is. And if you don't believe in Tyrod Taylor, you should believe in Ryan Tannehill because he has proven that he can win. And you bring him in on a two-year deal, give him a pretty extensive contract, let him continue to lead your team, and maybe that was the missing piece that you needed to go get to be competitive in the AFC West. And finally, the team that I think re-signs him and the team that he will end up with is the Tennessee Titans. If it isn't broke, why are you going to fix it? That's the reality of it. Tannehill thrived in Tennessee this past season, threw for 22 touchdowns, over 2,500 passing yards. I think he only threw six interceptions. He was a more balanced quarterback, and the offense loves him. He will be a lot cheaper to get than any of the free agent quarterbacks you're looking at, and you could probably draft a quarterback in the fourth or fifth round for your future to replace Mariota, and maybe if Tannehill struggles... There you go. You spent money on a guy who you thought was going to win, but you have a guy to replace him and a quality backup for another season who definitely will be able to make a name for himself and be a caliber option if the rookie was to fail. I think that Tannehill returns to Tennessee on a two-year with a third-year option worth $55 million. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson, at Locked on Aggies, and at Aggies SI. Tomorrow, we will recap what happened up at Bluebell Park as the Aggies take on the Lumberjacks. And we'll also be looking forward to Texas A&M basketball traveling to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, the school I went to, to face the Crimson Tide and Nate Oates, who are on fire. Can they continue their winning streak, or will the Buffalo head coach be able to beat Buzz Williams. Two new head coaches in the SEC, both finding success. We'll see who wins. We'll see you tomorrow. And remember, take him y'all. This has been Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network.